Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to the sanctuary of Quest Church. We are so glad that you are viewing this particular night because God is going to do something absolutely incredible in your life. We love you and we appreciate you. And we want to tell all of our friends in Brazil, Mexico City, South Africa, welcome to the program and we appreciate your commitment and how you have partnered with us to bring the gospel to the globe. God is a good God and he's good all the time. I'm also thrilled to have some of our nuclear, nucleus, not nuclear. <laughs> there may be a nuke go off in this building tonight, but we've got some uh, great intercessors and committed people that love Quest Church that are in the building tonight. And so if you hear them roaring and shouting and saying preach, just right there in your living room or wherever you are, just get with that. Before I get into the word, I need you to do one thing. I need you to share this. Press your share button right now. Tag friends in your comments right now. Let's get more people involved because I know that the word I have tonight is going to liberate people. It's going to bring great change in their life. So we started this series on redemption on Sunday, and I'm so excited. I was up at 4 o'clock this morning because this word is just burning in me. And I was just reading about redemption and thinking about the power of redemption. And I finally came to this conclusion, that redemption is the theme of all Scripture. Redemption is the theme of all Scripture. And Sunday we started in Luke chapter 21. And I can tell you that Monday night at the table talk when Lynn Hiles, Dr. Lynn Hiles and Pastor Adam Bernal begin to chime in with me and create that confluence of revelation. It was super powerful in regards to redemption. So what we're going to try to do is open that door and continue to go right into that path that we call redemption. We're going to go back to our text in Luke chapter 21, and I'll begin reading in verse 28. Before I do, let me pray because I feel something supernatural here tonight. Father, I thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke and sets people free. And that anointing is in this building tonight. That anointing is going to be felt in living rooms tonight. Somebody's watching this in a hospital room and it's going to touch them tonight. The anointing breaks the yoke and sets people free. So the anointing tonight is going to stop generational curses. It's going to dismiss generational spirits. It's going to break the yoke of oppression from people's lives. And we thank you for that conspicuous characteristic that we call the anointing in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord. Luke chapter 21, verse 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, Jesus says, then look up and lift up your heads. Here's why. For your redemption draweth nigh. And he spake to them a parable, behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. You should be able to see that, Jesus says. There's some things you should just be able to see. Now don't miss that tonight as I preach. There's some things you should just be able to see. Verse 31, so likewise... When you see these things come to pass, know this, that the kingdom of God is nigh. The kingdom of God is at hand. So at first he says, know this, that your redemption draweth nigh. But then he makes it akin to the kingdom of God. He says, know this, that the kingdom is at hand. Verily I say to you, this generation will not pass away till all of this is fulfilled. Heaven and earth can pass away. Listen to Jesus, but my words shall never, my words, Jesus said, shall never pass away. His words are eternal. Thank God for a word. Can you say amen to that? So as I'm studying today in, in prayer, I wrote this down, that understanding redemption means, redemption actually has this connotation to it, that it would operated along the lines of three areas. Number one, to restore. Number two, to reestablish. And then finally, number three, to reinstate. So it's almost like something was useful. It became useless. 
And then because of Christ, it becomes useful again. Some of you have been operating in purpose for years, but this year hit. And you put your purpose on the shelf and you've been distracted. But I came by to tell you tonight that you're about to pull your purpose back into your life and God's going to use you in levels that you never dreamed possible in Jesus' name. So Jesus says, when these things begin to come to pass, now listen to me very carefully, our response should be to redemption, not to the ridiculous things going on. So your response is to redemption, not the ridiculous. We are not looking up and lifting up because of the things we see going on around us. Hear me tonight. We are lifting up and looking up because of what we are about to see go on in our lives. So we are not looking up and lifting up because of what's happening in our nation or in the world. No. We are looking up and lifting up because there's a spirit of expectancy that's alive in us concerning what is about to transpire. Sunday, we talked about lift up, and we went through every scripture in the Bible that has to do with lift up. And tonight, I'm going to redirect your attention to the first thing Jesus said. Before he said, lift up your heads, he said, look up. Right now in those comments and right now in this building, say that with me, look up. Now watch this. When we concentrate more on what is going on around us than we do what is about to happen for us, we become like David in Psalm 40 and verse 12. Listen what David says. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. That sound familiar? Then he says, my iniquities have taken hold upon me. And then he says these words, so that I am not able to look up. Have you ever felt so much trouble around you? Have you ever been going through something so severe that you don't even feel like you can look up? I've been there in my life. When you combine those words right there in the Hebrew, look up, it means these words to perceive or to discern. So David said, so much wrong is going on in my life, I can't even perceive right. I've lost all sense of discernment because of everything that is going on around me. Discernment's gonna be a very important word tonight. Discernment actually means perception, listen to it, discernment. Perception in the absence of judgment. With a view to obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding. Hear it again. Perception, discernment. Perception in the absence of judgment. With a view to obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding. Oh God, get us there tonight. Get us to the place where we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this critical hour. We are at a critical crossroads in church history. And at no time like this time do we need the spirit of discernment. Hmm. To perceive something is not just knowing it by observation. Jesus said when you see these trees doing this, you ought to know the seasons are changing. But he said there ought to be some kind of something going on inside of you called discernment. (laughs) Powerful. Isaiah 43, 16, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Watch what God says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Watch what he says. See, behold, I am doing a new thing. My God, I hope you can hear me tonight. Now it springs up. He says, do you not perceive it? Do you not discern it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. That's powerful, y'all. 
That's very strong. Walk with me through this. To perceive is to be aware or to become aware through sensing something. If you don't sense something is changing right now in the world, I don't know what you've been watching or listening to. But you ought to be able to sense, you ought to be able to discern, you ought to be able to perceive things are changing. A perceptive person is characterized by two things, insight and discernment. A perceptive person is characterized by insight and discernment. The first ingredient in preparing for change is perception. Come on, Pastor Rick. The first ingredient in preparing for change is perception. It's the ability to recognize something is about to happen. Everybody in this building say it with me. Something is about to happen. Now put that in your comments right now. Let's declare it. Let's decree it. Something is about to happen. Say it again. Come on. Something is about to happen. And that's what Jesus is saying. When you see deception in the earth, something is about to happen. When nation rises against nation, something is about to happen. When many are offended, something is about to happen. Everything he lists in Luke 21 is going on right now. And Pastor Rick came by to tell all of you, something is about to happen. Our redemption draweth nigh. Our reestablishment draweth nigh. Our restoration draweth nigh. Can you say amen to that? Sensitivity is essential. Sensitivity is is essential in perception and discernment. We have replaced sensitivity with sensuality in the church. The church became irrelevant because it became too sensual and it wasn't sensitive. We became too fleshly and not spiritual. We depended too much on practical things than we did spiritual things. The church must emerge, like Dr. Hiles said the other night, from being irrelevant to being irreplaceable. I hope you hear that tonight. So I thought, if Jesus says, look up, then what must our posture be before looking up? It's obviously looking down. Looking down is a sign of depression, dissatisfaction. It's a sign of discouragement. Now watch this, depression, dissatisfaction, and discouragement are not caused by the absence of things. It's caused because of the absence of vision. I hope you got that right there. Depression does not necessarily come because of the absence of things. Depression shows up when you have no hope for your future. When you lose vision, you enter into depression. It's not because you don't have stuff. It's because you don't have sight. Hmm. Some people mistake depression as being a result of what you are going through. Listen to me carefully. Some people mistake depression that it is a result of what you are going through. But many times it is a result of not knowing where you are going. Talk in the building, Pastor Rick. Depression shows up when you don't know where you're going. It's not what you're going through. It's when you cannot see what you're going to that depression sets in. I'm going to take you through a story here real quick. And as I do, for the next 15 minutes of time, your faith is going to be built. And by the end of this broadcast and this service tonight, the people that are going to Walk out of this building, you're going to walk out with their shoulders square and their head held high. You in your living room, you're going to be standing up with your hands raised wherever you are. And you're going to be giving God praise because you, by the end of this service tonight, are going to know that your future is so bright you need some sunglasses on. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. 
and he has sold us a bill of goods making people think we're at the end. The chaos is the ultimate condition. We are finished. We're done. The devil is a lie. He came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. So watch this. Everyone say recovery. You cannot see what you refuse to look at. Talk in the building, Pastor Rick. You cannot see what you refuse to look at. Jesus said when these things begin to happen, first words, look up. Put it back in your comments. Say it in the building again. Shout it, y'all. Look up. Thank you, Quest. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And Jesus came to Bethsaida, and they brought to him a blind man. And he besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand. I wanted to teach tonight, but I feel the Holy Ghost here. And he led him out of the town. Watch what happens. And when he spit on his eyes, he put his hands on him. And he asked him, can you see? What's the next verse say? And he looked up. Shouted in the building, look up. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes. Now watch this. And made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Verse 24 says he looked up. But verse 25 says he made him look up. Because when you don't see what you thought you was going to see, your immediate reaction is to look down again. But I'm here to tell you God is all up in your life and he's going to tell you this time, if you don't look up on your own, I'm going to make you look up. How does he do it? By giving you a second touch. The Bible says he touched him again. Some of you are about to receive your second wind because you're about to receive your second touch. We in the second half of this year and I prophesy a second touch is coming to you and your family in the name of Jesus. If he looked up, he obviously was looking down. So I studied it. To look down is to regard with contempt or to treat something like it's unimportant. Hmm. You ever been talking to your kids and they looking down? That's contempt. They acting like the conversation is not important. Have you ever laid hands on them? <laughs> and made them look up. <laughs> because looking down is a sign of Something being not worthy of your respect. Looking down is a sign that something is not worthy of your respect. I want you to shout this as loud as you can. I respect that my redemption is drawing nigh. Respect that. Respect that sentence. That your redemption is drawing nigh. Now the Bible says he looked up to recover sight that was lost. He looked up. How many of you know there's nothing worse than losing sight? A man without a vision will always return to his past. Sight is important. Something happened before he looked up. Watch what happens. Something happened before he looked up. The key is found in verse 23. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Watch verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Everybody shout, come out, come out, wherever you are. Come on, say it again. Come out, come out, wherever you are. This is what I say to you tonight. Come out. I don't care where you are, come out. Come out of that relationship. Come out of that depression. Come out in Jesus' name. Now watch this. The Bible says he led him out by the hand. When you can't find your way out, allow Jesus to lead you out. Say it again, Pastor Rick. When you can't find your way out, 
Allow Jesus to lead you out. He was led, not driven. Many people think they can drive people into deliverance. You'll never drive anybody into deliverance. You can lead them to deliverance. Mm. He led him. He did not drive him. He was led, not driven to recovery. So strong. Some people, I wrote this down today, some people are trying to recover provision before you recover vision. I said it earlier, you want your stuff before you want your sight. Stuff without vision always falls out to waste. If you've got a bunch of stuff and don't know how to use it, you're going to lose it. Mm. He led him out. For Abraham to see, he had to come out of his tent. Can you say amen to that? He called you out of darkness. He delivered us out of depression. The people came out of Egypt. You know what I feel the Holy Ghost telling me to say this right now? I don't have this in my nose, but I'm going to say it to you. Some of you need to come out of wrong relationships. You need to come out of wrong relationships. Now watch. He looked up. Say this with me. I'm about to recover. Not my provision. My vision. Because when I get my vision, say it, come on. When I get my vision, my provision finds me. Mm, Lord have mercy. Now watch this. Verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. He put his hands again upon his eyes. There are people listening to me today that are about to feel his hands again. Like I said just a moment ago, you're going to feel his hands again on your life. Thank God for second touch, third touch, fourth touch, fifth touch. And guess how many times God will touch you? As many times as you need him to. Because he loves you that much. Can you say amen to that? So he said, I see men as trees. He's seeing. Now, don't miss what Pastor Rick is saying. He's seeing, but he ain't seeing right. A lot of people are seeing stuff right now, but they're not seeing right. A lot of people are seeing things going on, but you're not seeing it right. You're seeing it as demise, and God is seeing it as redemption. You're seeing it as the end. God is seeing it as the beginning. Come on in the building, Pastor Rick. Refocusing often means changing your lens. Which means you're looking at it through the wrong paradigm. What is a paradigm? A paradigm tells us why you see a thing the way you see it. So you had a bad experience in this area before. So now when you see that area show up again, you have an expectancy that the same thing that happened before is going to happen again. But tonight, God is about to change your glasses. He's about to change your lens. Somebody shout praise the Lord. So if I have 20-10 vision, when I am reading from 20 feet away, feels like I'm 10 feet away. So if I have 20-40 vision, what I'm reading from 20 feet away feels like I'm 40 feet away. That's the difference in being nearsighted and farsighted. It's called myopia. 2020 vision is a term used. 2020 vision, I hope you're hearing me, is a term used to express the clarity or the sharpness of vision. Every preacher in America preached 2020 is going to be the year of vision. Boy, has it been. Yes, it has. We are seeing stuff clearly now. We're seeing people clearly now. Now we know who you are. Now we know what you're all about. If you have 20-20 division, you can see clearly at 20 feet. You can see from where you are. He said, now watch, the verse 25 says he saw clearly. Too many Christians are nearsighted or they are far, farsighted. A nearsighted person sees near objects clearly, but objects in the distance are blurred. 
A far-sighted person sees far away stuff clearly, but they can't see what's right in front of them. I hope y'all are hearing me. Myopia also means the lack of discernment. Nearsighted means narrow thinking. Whew. You're too narrow-minded. You're nearsighted. All you can see is what is right here, but you can't see past it. God is about to give you a fresh vision. I'm telling you right now. God is good. A true sign, I wrote this today as I'm studying this. This stuff's coming to me. A true sign of maturity is good discernment. Listen to pastor now. A true sign of spiritual maturity is good discernment. A lack of spiritual discernment shows that our senses are under the control of the flesh and not the spirit. You want me to read it again? I will. The lack of spiritual discernment, the lack of it, shows that our senses are under the control of the flesh rather than the spirit. God gave us your spiritual senses to discern so that you can choose. That's powerful. He did not give us our spiritual senses so that we could judge. Too many people mistake discernment for judgment. You're not discerning it, brother. You're judging it. Discernment allows you deliverance. Judgment locks you into the place you are. Hmm. Most Christians would rather judge than discern. Because judgment can happen like that. But to discern, you got to wait a minute. Talk in the building. Destiny is often delayed because of a decision that was made, listen to me, out of a lack of discernment. Destiny is often delayed because of a decision that was made with the lack of discernment. Discernment is not just about choosing between good and evil. Sometimes discernment is the ability to choose between good and best. Man, that's strong. Say the word discernment. Verse 25 says, now notice this. The first time he looked up, the second time Jesus made him look up. And the Bible says not that his sight was restored. The Bible says he was restored. It doesn't say, and his sight was restored. It says he was restored. You know what Jesus is interested in? You. He's really wanting to restore you. So strong. It means to reconstitute or to provide with a new structure. Here's my question to all of you tonight. Why would God give vision to people who are not whole? Why would God give us vision when we have not been reconstituted? Why would God give us vision? Why would God tell us to look up when we're not ready to handle what we see? What I just told you is fragmented people always react. Whole people always respond. Whole people never react out of frustration. Whole people always respond from God's perspective of things. So Jesus says, you're going to get in a mess. You, the world's going to look crazy. When you see it, and you ought to be able to see it, you can tell when the trees are about to give fruit. The seasons are changing. It should be obvious to you. Folks, are you hearing what I'm saying to you tonight? It should be obvious to us right now as born-again believers that things are changing. Can you say amen to that? And hear, hear me. I know it looks bad. My Bible says when sin abounds, grace does much more Abound. What are you saying? Why are you saying that, Pastor Rick? Because when things get as bad as they can get, the greatest thing you've ever experienced is about to show up. So you know what I came by tonight to tell you two words. I'm going to leave you with two words. Look up. I say it another way. Look past. 
can you see past this season? Or does this season have your sight captive? Are you, are you so locked into what only you can see on the news, what only you can hear and read on Facebook? Are you so locked into that? Or can you see past this season? I'm going to say it like this. If you have right vision, you have no problem with a vote. If you have right vision, votes follow visions. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. If you vote off of your emotion, you're going to vote wrong. You better vote off the conviction that God has laid in your heart. Can you see past this moment? So I rebuke myopia, nearsightedness. I tell you to quit judging stuff so quickly. Father, I pray for a spirit of discernment to come to your people. Help us to discern the times. Help us to see past this moment. Help us to realize our redemption. Whew, you're restructuring us. You're reconstituting your people. Everything about redemption says hope. Everything about redemption says bright future. You have not only redeemed us from sin, You've not only redeemed us from trouble, you have redeemed us from the curse of the law. You have redeemed us from religion. You have redeemed us from man's judgment. You have redeemed, and Father, I don't know how anybody cannot be excited once they know they are redeemed. We ought to be the most excited, hopeful people in all the world. So Father, we speak corporately against depression. We speak corporately against dissatisfaction. I speak a calmness in the hearts of your people. Quit being so dissatisfied. I speak a calmness to your spirit. If you really serve Jesus like you say you do, then you've got to know everything's going to be all right. Because Jesus said when things get as bad as they can get, your redemption draweth nigh. So I speak to you tonight, hope. In Jesus' name. All you folks in this building, lift your hands and begin to pray for the people watching online. There's hundreds of people watching right now. Father, we pray for the people in Mexico City, the people in London, the people all over this nation that are watching tonight. Touch them right there where they are. Would you give your heart to Jesus? Would you come to him tonight? Would you be born again tonight? Would you receive Jesus as your Savior? Would you pray with me right now? Would you say, Jesus, I receive your love. I receive your hope. I ask you to forgive my sins and cleanse me of all iniquity. Come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. If you prayed that prayer with us tonight, let me help you. You are a new creation. And old things have passed away and all things have become new. You have just entered into the greatest days of your life. And we want to welcome you to a family of new believers of over 200 people that have given their life to Jesus Christ through our ministry here over the last few months. And that number just increased because you prayed that prayer. Now, if you're excited that they are part of the family of God, would you clap your hands in this building? Hallelujah. We love you.